and welcome to the Human Awareness Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Haya, and this is our fourth season. Hi there. We have spent the last three seasons welcoming brilliant, vulnerable, and thoughtful people to share their stories. We've loved hearing what they have learned about their own human journey through love, intimacy, and sexuality. The Human Awareness Podcast can't replace the depth of learning that happens in one of our workshops at the Human Awareness Institute. But we hope that in these interviews, you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Mm, I love that. Shall we get started with the interview? Yes, let's do it. Hello, and welcome back to Human Awareness, the uh, podcast for Hi. Uh, I'm joined here today with Tony, who uh, is one of the Hi facilitators. And we have a very special rare treat, which is doing one of these in person. So if you hear some weird sounds in the background, that's because I'm just passing a microphone back and forth, uh, like, you know, the 1990s. <laughs> and uh, we'll give it a whirl and see where we got. Hello, Tony, and it's so good to see you again. Hiya, it's wonderful to see you. It's great to look in your eyes. Yay! I know, this whole eye contact thing over Zoom really isn't the same, is it? It's not. I could, like, just feeling the resonance and the energy in the room feels really good. And, you know, there's more things speaking than just our heads and our eyes and our mouths. It's our hearts and our bodies. Absolutely. So we just had some wonderful nourishing lunch and kind of settled into um, my weirdly tiny little living room here. And uh, it's, I'm sensing that it's actually a little nerve wracking to do one of these in person again now. Yeah, it's like, well, one, I'm just excited to see you. And I think there's this energy of like wanting to please and impress and um so there's that kind of little nervous energy and i'm also um yeah i'm just wanting to drop in and instead of trying to be profound i just want to feel <laughs> and feel in with you absolutely and the same so um it was actually really tricky uh to figure out what to talk to you about. I feel like every time we have a conversation, we go in 19 different directions and they're all equally interesting. Yeah. Uh, and for the sake of a podcast and uh, time constraints, uh, I'm just really curious to see um, what we want to settle into and what we want to talk about for this particular podcast episode. Mm, yeah. You know, I think there's a few things that are top of mind and I'm just going to, the first one I would say is this new project, um, Pleasure Alchemy. And that is... Uh, it's a coaching practice and it's also a process by which we can take our trauma and our pain and uh, work with it in from not from a work point of view or from a struggle point of view, but from a pleasure point of view that allows us to drop into our birthright of wholeness and balance and ease and um, and it takes a lot of it can still be um, uh, take compassion and take uh, tenderness and a willingness to be vulnerable as well. When you say there's a birthright to this kind of thing, I think there's a risk that we've already lost a few people, right? Because yeah. in, when you say that, I immediately, where my mind was, was the realization that I am not sure I know I deserve the depth of peace that you're already uh, insinuating there. Mm -hmm. So where, how did you come to that? Like, how did you come to the idea that the level of peace and, and, and self-connection you're describing is something that like was granted to you at birth? 
You know, one of the things that we talk about at High is that you're, all of you is welcome here and that um, we're effort, effortlessly worthy. And um, that's really what I'm driving at. And even be, beyond that, uh, so much in our society, I feel like we have to uh, earn our happiness, earn our peace, earn our success. And often we get um, caught up in getting all the trappings of like, this is what the picture is supposed to look like, right? I've got the house, I've got the da da, I've got this and that. And I've actually worked this journey, you know, where I had all of those things and I was happier when I was quote unquote a starving artist. And uh, that leads to where everything began, to, it broke down. And I felt like I'd failed. I felt like I was not worthy of love. And I was in, I had this gaping wound this, uh, in my life that I thought left me irrevocably outside of, and I, of, of connection and um, intimacy and, and love and, and what I'm, here for what my mission is really about is that like we it, there's no one that's beyond lovability or hope or um, having the uh, experience of being loved um, and I'm I feel like I'm I'm moving my hand is on my chest and it's almost like wanting to hold someone in in that place. So let me see if I can reel it back in a little bit and get back to what your question Well, is. it turns out that all of you is welcome here. And okay. I saw you go through an emotional journey there. Do you want to stay with that for a moment and say what that was and, and what came up for you? Sure, yeah. Um, so I had acquired, I'd been in the process of acquiring um, what I thought would make me more valid, more uh, worthy of being listened to, worthy of having something to contribute to life and society. Um, and so I was a real estate broker. I had reached at one point top 5% in the country and uh, things were going really well monetarily. And I had told my wife at the time that I was happier as a starving artist because I was now, at that point, I was working 80 hours a week, and <clears throat> uh, this was before real smartphones, but you could get email, and I was like constantly on my phone or constantly on email, and there was more distance growing between my wife and I. Um, and we ended up divorcing, and at the same time, the real estate market crashed. My income went to a tenth, if that, of what it was. Uh, my house that uh, was at that point the, the the most expensive house on the block went into foreclosure. My car was repossessed. I had a four-year-old daughter and a four-month-old son, and it was like the house of cards that I had built was swiped off the table. And what did I have left of that foundation? And that's the place that I want to meet people at. And what was a turning point for me was actually going back to uh, the workshops. I went to high level two, loving yourself, 
because uh, I felt like a dried out sponge. And I actually had a moment, for those that are familiar with the biblical mythology of the story of Job, I was shaking my hands at the heavens, what do you want from me? <laughs> um, and I really did. I, I felt like a dried out sponge. And I knew that the only thing I could, could do was breathe. And I knew that there was nothing with its literal hands around my throat stopping me from doing that. And so I, my question was, what fills me up? And I remembered going to a workshop uh, years before with my wife at the time and remembered all of the connection and the juice that I felt there. So I went back, and at this point it was at Harbin Hot Springs. Um, and I did a share in front of the participants, um, a large group share, and I was saying, oh, I felt broken, and I'm, having, I'm feeling this emotion come up again now, and that I felt unloved and unlovable, and I had been sort of involuntarily celibate. Uh, I didn't even know there was incel at that point, <laughs> but I was um, for a while, and Anne Watts asked me if she could offer a reflection, and she showed me a different Tony that I was completely, it was new to me. She uh, spoke about the beauty she saw and the worthiness that she saw, and I, in that workshop, made a commitment to love myself and know that no matter what, I will be the person that I'll be with, and from there, that's where sort of this alchemy kind of came about. It was this, mm, it filled in the cracks in, in my life. And then I went to the next level and the next level. And I was, and interestingly, things started to line up, even though I had very little income. Like, out of the blue, someone would be like, oh, you know, they did this great thing for us. Here's $500. I was like, great, there's my next plane ticket or I officiated someone's wedding and who happened to be a um, flight attendant and they gave, here's a, fl a flight credit. And I was like, great. <laughs> and so it all worked out. I went through all of those levels and um, high was part of it. it. You know, there are other pieces and there are other, I think it's dangerous to be like, oh, this is the only way, this is the way. And if you don't follow the way, then you're exiled because that's the same thing again. And what I, mean when I say it's beyond just being worthy, um, you know, we can begin to shine a light of awareness on areas that we've been, dare I say, colonized, and where we have this um, story, you know, various stories of how to do things right, how to be a man, how to be successful, how to um, be potent, uh, you, know, you name it, there's some kind of structure of boxes of you put this together and then you've arrived and we really haven't arrived. We're encouraged, I think, sometimes crisis is what encourages us to keep churning, keep turning the wheel and practicing, practicing love, practicing the vibration that we want to be, um, and when we when we practice, we, we 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 become what we practice. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of really interesting things right now that really kind of lit me up. One part was um, 
you your words you mentioned you felt broken you felt kind of coming apart at the seams a little bit i think was the phrase you used um and the other part of that was alchemy right yeah um like over lunch we mentioned something else which is like the breaking points can actually be more beautiful than the unbroken part and i feel like you're actually talking around that a little bit do you want to jump into the middle of that let's let's jump right into that vessel so (laughs) the metaphor that works uh that i've really been working with a lot this year is kintsugi and that's the japanese concept of uh it comes out of wabi-sabi creating beauty from ugliness and um uh kintsugi is the concept that you can have a a a vase or a vessel uh pottery that once it's broken, it gets mended with um, precious metals, and it creates a beautiful structure once it, with the veins of gold or whatever the metal is that runs through it. And the philosophy is that um, the mended vessel that's been broken holds more value than a vessel that's never been broken. And like humans, when we are broken, that's just the beginning. And so once that alchemy starts and, be, and continues, um, we can bring more value and potency and connection to life because we've had a taste of one thing and we know that there's more and there, becomes, there can be an urgency in a way. Um, but I would say, um, no, I'm almost losing the train of thought. I want to say like, it, so with people... Uh, our crisis or our, our wound, our trauma. When I, so divorce was one of the hardest things that I've gone through. And I've been in a room, and I see you connecting with that. Um, and I've been in a room where the topic comes up, and I can feel people in the room who've experienced it. Have you had that experience? Yeah, so you're nodding your head. And I'm just going to take a breath and say that, it wasn't that they raised their hand or said, oh, me too. It's, it's that resonance. It's because it's we're all connected. And when we can connect in that vulnerability, that's the real connection point that we can then have this intimacy of like, yes, I feel you. I know what that is. And we can begin to lift each other from that point of view. So I would say that our wounds can become like a golden antenna that draws into more of our purpose or more of what we can bring to life. Yeah, I love that. And I think, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, as far as divorces go, mine was probably the sweetest and gentlest one that there was. And I completely um, have 100% empathy with you for that being one of the hardest things I've been through. And so it's it's funny to me, or funny, <laughs> not the words I would choose. Yeah, lol. lol. <laughs> um, but it was a life changing experience, right? Yeah. And I think that, like that alone, is enough to find some find some connection. Another thing you just mentioned was that the the, the broken and repaired vessel has more value. And I think looking at this, you also mentioned um, uh, the idea of. Um, colonization mm-hmm. and I wonder if we're at risk at this in this moment to use the word value wrong in that humans have value but I think looking at this from a capitalist point of view we're talking I think we're talking about different things would you say more about the value of the repaired human 
Ooh, thank you. That's really that's wonderful. I I and that's a big one. I mean, like, so the value of the repaired human, uh, not in terms of um, what the stock market would bring, but what the hearts that they can touch, the lives they can touch. Um, there may be people who are have had everything handed to them, all the privilege, all of the things, and yeah. And I want to say, when we have privilege, it's not anything to feel ashamed of. And you know, because I think in today's society that brings a lot of brittleness, a lot of uh, ooh tension in the room. Oh, someone's got privilege. Ooh, who you know. Um, but privilege is also to be used, just as our vulnerability. And so that's the fight for the parts that need protecting. That's our intersectionality. But I'm, I don't want to go too far off on that. But I'll say that. I can be in a room with a multi, and I have been in a room with multi, multi millionaires, and they're also looking for value in, in themselves and connection. And that feels like a, a very fulfilling thing to be able to share that. And, um, and also, uh, I get fulfillment. Uh, as well, and I get valued, and I feel affirmed um, when they're sharing their their uh, uh, gratitude or helping me, you know, get out of a limited money mindset or abundance mindset. And I think so. I, if we talk about containers or vessels, it's like even if you've never been through a divorce. Um, Moving a house, moving from one place to another where we live is changing our environment. It's changing, anytime we change who we think we thought we were, if I'm saying that in all the right, right tenses, uh, uh, there can be this place of who am I? And it can feel scary. And there can be a tendency for us to want to cling to the things that we're familiar with, even if they're not helping us, if they're not nurturing us. They're helping us because they're familiar, but they may not be healthy for us. Yeah, and in, in that, what springs to mind for me is the, um, the difference between the path you're on and the destination, right? I feel like for, for a lot of people, especially if you're, I mean, we're sitting here in Silicon Valley, uh, it's very easy to mistake financial wealth for, like if that is your destination, you can get there. But then at some point you'll look up and go, well, where was I going, right? And in a way, I feel like it's a blessing to have kind of had a chance to to look at life through something else. And I think we're getting back to that alchemy point you're talking about. I feel like that the alchemy, especially alchemy between people, can be completely divorced from money, maybe should be entirely divorced from money, and we keep forgetting. It's so easy to forget. Yeah. Yeah. Just real quickly on that. Money is just another. It's a representation of a frequency. Mm -hmm. And um, that value, that movement of energy, that worthiness um, can be, it can be facilitated uh, as we move energy through our bodies. There are people that do that with, with yoga or pranayama. 
Um, and there is also the, uh, as we allow the energy to move, it can actually become an orgiastic in some traditions would say, or orgasmic, it's an energy movement. And so if we were to tie that to sexuality, our shame, um, as we mm. open that up, as we open up, you know, being able to bring our awareness to our sexual energy, sexual energy is what creates whole humans, you know, and uh, it can also move in our bodies and begin to help us become more filled with a lust for life, if you will, and create more juiciness and connection. So it's not about um, um, having an addictive or a grasping kind of uh, energy, because that's really, that addictive grasping kind of energy is what can also be known as the hungry ghost that wants to acquire all of the things but never gets full. Um, but it can be a, pl a place where we can honor the desires, honor the hunger, honor the feelings, and that's a whole relationship that's within ourselves. And we can be in relationship with our, within ourselves and fill up with that gold of the kintsugi, or, and then we can share of the overflow with others. And that way, it's not about possessing or grabbing on and, you know, we're just going to hunger down and ride this one out, you know, kind of thing. Um, but we can uh, be in this experience of life together, you know. And you just mentioned that somebody uh, or some people are able to facilitate this kind of thing. Do you know anybody who does that? <laughs> Let me look in the mirror. Uh, I do. I do. It's an honor to be able to facilitate this kind of thing. And I, I, one of the things that makes it easier is to let people know that there is a science to it. Similar as, as yoga has its art and science, I love the science of it <clears throat> because it's A plus B equals C rather than you just have to believe enough and you just have to do enough affirmations and you have to, you know, because that lets people down if they don't, if they don't grasp things in that way or, you know, uh, there are physical steps that we can take just as there are mental steps we can take and emotional steps and spiritual steps, however people define that. And I particularly love the, the title facilitator. I mean, facilitation literally means to make easier. Yes. And uh, so what does that mean? What does that look like if you try and take something this complex and this sensitive and, I don't know, maybe you, you do you walk through the forest with a machete to make it easier? Like, what, what, is, the, what is the facilitation part? You know, that machete uh, analogy is kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's appro appropriate because it's a clearing. And so one of the things that I like to do is um, invite people to clear, empty out. And sometimes it'll be an emotional thing or some mental conundrum that is tying them up. Or they'll have physical pain in their body that is drawing their attention. And um, the first step is really emptying out. I'm sorry, I've got long arms too, and <laughs> so I, I keep bumping you. Um, but I want to say... so. One of the first steps is um, connecting that body, mind, and spirit 
all work together at the same time. Emotions are meant to flow. Uh, and sometimes our mind, when we're trying to figure things out just with our head, it's really the body that needs to be listened to or the emotions. And there are ways to help people get into that and sometimes get out of their head. Sometimes, as well, people just need to be heard. You know, when I was going through my divorce, one, I went probably, I'll say six months, probably longer, where I just needed to let people know I'm not the bad guy you know, or I'm not this. And um, that was, I just needed to be heard. And, and after being able to empty, 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 I could, then I could just listen, I could listen. And there was more space in me to be me. Yeah, and I feel like this comes up for me a lot when I'm doing, um, whether it's meditation or uh, medicine-driven work is like, hey, the thing that's blocking me, you know, you can try and run away from it or you turn towards, right? That unblocking process, that clearing process is really the, you know, you, you can't really start the work unless you're ready to start the work. Yeah, that brings up the Anais Nin quote, there came a day when the, it became more painful to be in the bud than the blossom, and I'm paraphrasing it badly. But um, yeah, that, the, that thing that's kinking up the flow um, can cause discomfort and we can run away from it because nobody wants to run toward discomfort. But if we allow it to be, um, you know, then we can begin to listen to it. And once it's been heard, it can often unfold. And once it's acknowledged, it's like a little kid that has wanted attention. It's like been acknowledged and it's like, okay, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go play. And there's more room. It's like, it's, it's, there's, there's flow. Another example is if someone has a knot in their arm and then I'm work, doing body work on them, I'm not going to power through with like stripping the arm and doing, oh, this is deep tissue, no pain, no gain. It's not about that. It may be about identifying it, feeling it, noticing what it's saying. And usually once, and often people will have some sort of emotional experience as that's releasing because our body will hold things until we're ready to deal with it. And it can release with tears, laughter, rage, orgasm. And that orgasm, again, I mean as the movement of energy. So, and there yeah. are many different types. And so if somebody this is, is uh, sitting at home with their AirPods in listening to this uh, conversation, it's like, I'm blocked, but where the hell do I even start? Yeah. Figuring, because you mentioned specifically the physical, you mentioned, I, I think you mentioned spiritual. We definitely talked about energetic. Mm -hmm. Like, I am terrible at identifying what the thing is that's blocking me. I know I'm blocked. Mm. Is there anybody, is there anything somebody can do to kind of feel into that? Yeah, two, two tips uh, right off the top. One, um, and we'll just, I can kind of like, we'll just do it right now. Let's do it. Um, I just want to invite people to just, have a breath, and um, there's this philosophy uh, that's Mayan in origin, and that is that there's really only two kinds of energy in the universe, heavy and light, and they believe that only humans can create heavy energy, uh, but they have no negative connotation to heavy, which I like, and they say, in fact, when we give those things away, it's 
sacred, that the earth takes it and uses it to create light. I like that because when I'm getting rid of my heavy energy, then I don't have to feel like I'm leaving a pile of crap somewhere. It's already turning into flowers. So here's, the, here's a quick technique. Just sitting, allowing the awareness to scan the body without judgment. Notice any areas that feel dense or heavy. It may be in the mind, it may be in the heart, in the shoulders, whatever it is. No judgment. Draw the heavy energy to gather at your tailbone or in your lower belly. Just let whatever's heavy be heavy. And let it drop from the tailbone or the lower belly through the couch or the floor, through the foundation of whatever building, right into the heart of the earth where it's received. Just let it empty. As you continue emptying of whatever you don't need in this moment, invite the energy of light. Perhaps imagine a liquid sunbeam just coming into the top of your head. And this is the energy of ease. Let it come through your throat and let it pool around your heart. This is an expansive energy. It's the energy of uh, warm laughter and inclusion, flow, effortless flow, and it's expansive. And let that energy continue to expand into the places that once held heavy. And you can do that anytime, as much as you want. You can do it several times a day, it doesn't matter. That's part of balancing energy. <sighs> Another technique is to purchase a whistle or a dog whistle. And anytime you feel full, blow into the whistle. This is um, like uh, synesthesia, it's primal scream therapy without having to do the primal scream and have people alert the authorities. Um, and also be, be wary of any dogs that are around. You don't want to, <laughs> don't want to traumatize them. But um, those are ways of emptying. And once we empty, then we can take the next step. Often we want to, our minds want to figure out the end. And that's what keeps us locked and keeps us trapped. How does how that for you feel? Well, I'm sitting maybe two feet away from you, and I feel very rooted right now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's beautiful. I find myself hoping that this translates in a podcast. <laughs> but if not, uh, lovely listeners, I had a wonderful experience. <laughs> Yay. I, I love the, gold, the glow that I see in your eyes. And, and um, I'm, it's an honor, really, to sit two feet away from you after the last couple of years. It's been a hard time. It's been a really hard time. And I feel like some of the... I feel like some of the skills of interpersonal connection have atrophied a little yeah. for me. And so... Yeah, it's, it's become much harder to drop in. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, there was some survey I saw that said all 
carrying trauma from the quarantine. And um, I'm also noticing that this may bring more, I, I think there's a shift in awareness to, uh, you know, more than just filling an office building. It's about what is the value and what are we bringing and what's the quality of our life. And, you know, the quality of our life is part of what we practice and how do we, you know. So, again, it's like this moment, you know, um, back to when I was in level two for the first time, feeling broken. This moment, I'm choosing love. And this moment. And this moment. And let me just keep practicing that. And, and also trusting that whoever I'm with knows how to do it for themselves or uh, in, in, holding, in holding a space. It's not about inserting some kind of program or dogma. Everybody has their own, their own knowing and their own love. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I feel like one of the things I lost was the practice. You know, the, the inner peace, like there's, there's a couple of thoughts around this, but the idea is essentially it's practice. It's not an achieved state, right? right? Once you have uh, experienced inner peace once, that doesn't mean you get, maybe it's easier to get there. But that kind of intersects with um, one of the old Zen parables. You know, these two monks sit on this train, train rolls into a station and a monk gets off the train really quickly and sits and kind of meditates on the on the station platform gets back on the train and the other monk goes why do you get off the train it's like oh you know i have to meditate and of course the monk says well you can get off the train but why do you get off the train oh it's so busy here it's so busy here and the monk asks so where do you think you need the meditation don't meditate on the platform meditate on the train and when i heard that the first time i was like yeah I've been meditating on the platform. Mm. And when the train doesn't stop for a while, right, I lose my tools. And I think it's been a really beautiful reminder to say, hey, these tools need to be practiced when you need them, not when you don't need them. And this pandemic has really screwed me over for that perspective. I hear you. And I'm sorry for that, too. And I'm also, I've, I've been in that. I feel like I've, I felt like a my metaphor was like, I feel like I'm in a cocoon and I've liquefied, <laughs> you know, I'm this ooey gooey mess. And, you know, like did a butterfly emerge? The butterfly is emerging and its wings are flapping and, uh, and, and I'm and but it's a, it's a, it's a practice and I'm, I'm doing these circular motions with my hands and I'm like, that's the butterfly. like a butterfly with wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I want to speak to the, you know, what you were saying about the, um, bringing it into where we need it. Yeah, because we can't all, you know, we can't all go away to some mountain retreat. Uh, I thankfully just came from one where people could afford to go or where there was access that was made. And yet, you know, in our cities is where it's needed and our inner cities is where it's needed. And um, people need the space to re-regulate and find their own flow, where that, that's where the knowing comes through. And we can do that, again, this is you know the quantum phys physics part, we can change the space when we walk into it, um, just by being the, in our practice, 
it changes our frequency and other people pick up on that frequency and uh, there's a another <clears throat> old belief that yoga that practice of uh, connection is uh, was a, a martial art um, and they said it was a martial art because when the yogi was in their practice, it became impossible to be violent in their presence. And I think we can practice that, you know, whether we're in our house or in our car or especially in our car. Road rage! Um, you know, we can begin to the conscious practice of choosing, you know, what station we're listening to, what frequency we're on. That's the pleasure alchemy right there. And it's, it's really, it's not, it's, it's, an, and it's taking it and applying it to the, plan, the pain. It's not bypassing. It's taking the fear of loss, the fear of abandonment, all of these things, and saying, you know what, I'm choosing love in this moment because I don't know, ultimately, what's going to happen. So what frequency do I want to be on? And how do you catch yourself when you realize your radio is dialed to uh, the wrong station? Mm, sometimes, you know, it, well, my personal sort of belief is that the universe always sings back, <laughs> you know? So um, I'll start to get more static in my life. And it's like, uh, let me try to tune up and tune in. And sometimes that means that I need to go into my cave and go into darkness and deal with some shadow stuff, bring my awareness to that. Or sometimes I need to move out of my cave and go be in the sunshine and um, just uh, change it up, you know? And, and the thing is, is like, well, how do I know? And I'm sorry to like just throw, I don't mean this to be glib, but I'm kind of like, following this and Rumi said whatever lifts the corners of your mouth go with that you know and so those that's our inspiration and that spark and that in whatever is it feels inspiring and makes us you know leads us to those experiences where we say "Ooh, this is better than sex or "Ooh, this is so yummy I, or I can't wait to get out of bed for this or whatever it is or, I'm looking forward to that that's a different frequency. It's a different vibration than to think that there's no hope. Yeah, and I feel like the phrase, uh, the body keeps the score, comes up a lot. Oh, but yeah. that goes two ways too, right? Your body also remembers the things that bring you joy and that bring you light and that bring you um, a lust for life, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I feel like like trusting your body for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes though we have to unlock it. We have to be able to be willing to look even at ourselves. You know, how often do we refer to our genitals as down there? You know, it's like as it's not a basement with a broken. It's not bottle. Australia, right? <laughs> yeah. The but being able to acknowledge our what brings us pleasure, and there are every cell of our body is wired to be able to resonate with pleasure. And that's, that's something. And so, um, you know, I think that there was at one point 
a fear of if we follow our pleasure, we'll get deranged and, you know, and, and um, go way away from um, morality and ethics. And, but, but we've embedded so much shame that it's, I think it's, when we talk about emptying, as we were talking about earlier, a lot of it is emptying shame. Because there are, I had a client that was talking about um, their family having such a work ethic, which is great, right? But their mother uh, went, loved swimming, and they took a day and went swimming with their mother, and their mother was just marveling, like, I'm, I'm swimming, I'm just, I'm just swimming. And so, you know, uncoupling, like needing to deserve to go swimming, to just be able to do it. Oh my gosh, how decadent, you know? And we can have these decadent moments um, just with mundane things. Mm. I love that. We're coming up in time, and I really want to learn a little bit more about where we can have some more decadent moments with you. Where can people find you on the internet, and how can they connect with you? Thank you. They can connect with me through my website, www.thelovewarrior.com, and um, they can reach out. We can talk. I offer coaching, and we're also doing a retreat this weekend on Pleasure Alchemy in Michigan, Sagatuck, Michigan, as a matter of fact, um, with three other wonderful facilitators, Shiloh B, Tazima Paris, and uh, Michael Taylor. And so it's gonna be a, that's gonna be a wonderful weekend. But if they're, uh, we'll also are offering a monthly uh, membership where people can check in and have virtual and live uh, support community. Love that. Tony, thank you so much for dropping in with me. It's been a little while since we've done one of these episodes and I'm so glad you're, uh, you're re-breaking the seal for us. Thank you, Haya. It's really an honor to be with you. Thank you for having me. Love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Awareness Podcast. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute or our workshops, please visit our website at hai.org. That is H-A-I dot org. As always, it was a pleasure to have you with us. See you soon. soon.